Section 30 of Select Sermons of Jonathan Edwards. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Select Sermons of Jonathan Edwards. Section 30 Christian Knowledge, Part 2. 5. It may be argued from the abundance of the instructions which God hath given us, from the largeness of that book which God hath given to teach us divinity, and from the great variety that is therein contained. Much was taught by Moses of old, which we have transmitted down to us. After that other books were from time to time added. Much is taught us by David and Solomon, and many and excellent are the instructions communicated by the prophets. Yet God did not think all this enough but after sent his Christ and his apostles, by whom there is added a great and excellent treasure to that holy book, which is to be our rule in the study of this important subject. This book was written for the use of all. All are directed to search the scriptures. John 5.39 Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. And Isaiah 34.16 Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, and read. They that read and understand are pronounced blessed. Revelations 1.3 Blessed is he that readeth, and they that understand the words of this prophecy. If this be true of that particular book of the Revelation, much more is it true of the Bible in general. Nor is it to be believed that God would have given instructions in such abundance if he had intended that receiving instruction should only be a by-concern with us. It is to be considered that all those abundant instructions which are contained in the scriptures were written that they might be understood, otherwise they are not instructions. That which is not given, that the learner may understand it, is not given for the learner's instruction, unless we endeavor to grow in the knowledge of divinity, a very great part of those instructions will to us be in vain. For we can receive benefit by no more of the scriptures than we understand. We have reason to bless God that he hath given us such various and plentiful instruction in his word, but we shall be hypocritical in doing so, if we after all content ourselves with but little of this instruction. When God hath opened a very large treasure before us, for the supply of our wants, and we thank him that he hath given us so much, if at the same time we be willing to remain destitute of the greatest pair of it, because we are too lazy to gather it, this will not show the sincerity of our thankfulness. We are now under much greater advantage to acquire knowledge and divinity than the people of God were of old, because since that time the canon of Scripture is much increased. But if we be negligent of our advantages, we may be never the better for them, and may remain with as little knowledge as they. 6. However diligent we apply ourselves, there is room enough to increase our knowledge in divine truth. None have this excuse to make for not diligently applying themselves to gain knowledge and divinity, that they already know all, nor can they make this excuse that they have no need to diligently apply themselves in order to know all that is to be known. None can excuse themselves for want of business in which to employ themselves. There is room enough to employ ourselves forever in this divine science with the utmost application. Those who have applied themselves most closely have studied the longest and have made the greatest attainments in this knowledge know but little of what is to be known. The subject is inexhaustible. 
That divine being who is the main subject of this science is infinite, and there is no end to the glory of his perfections. His works at the same time are wonderful and cannot be found out to perfection, especially the work of redemption, about which the science of divinity is chiefly conversant, is full of unsearchable wonders. The word of God, which is given for our instruction in divinity, contains enough in it to employ us to the end of our lives, and then we shall leave enough uninvestigated to employ the heads of the ablest divines to the end of the world. The psalmist found an end to the things that are human, but he could never find an end to what is contained in the word of God. Psalms 119.96 I have seen an end to all perfection, but thy command is exceeding broad. There is enough in this divine science to employ the understandings of saints and angels to all eternity. 7. It doubtless concerns every one to endeavor to excel in the knowledge of things which pertain to his profession or principal calling. If it concerns men to excel in anything, or in any wisdom or knowledge at all, it certainly concerns them to excel in the affairs of their main profession and work. But the calling and work of every Christian is to live to God. This is said to be his high calling, Philippians 3.14. This is the business, and, if I may so speak, the trade of a Christian, his main work, and indeed should be his only work. No business should be done by a Christian, but as some way or other a part of this. Therefore certainly the Christian should endeavor to be well acquainted with those things which belong to this work, that he may fulfill it, and be thoroughly furnished to it. It becomes one who is called to be a soldier to excel in the art of war. It becomes a mariner to excel in the art of navigation. It becomes a physician to excel in the knowledge of those things which pertain to the art of physic. So it becomes all such as profess to be Christians, and to devote themselves to the practice of Christianity, to endeavor to excel in the knowledge of divinity. 8. It may be argued hence that God hath appointed an order of men for this end to assist persons in gaining knowledge in these things. He hath appointed them to be teachers, 1 Corinthians 12.28, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, Ephesians 4.11 and 12. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If God hath set them to be teachers, making that their business, then he hath made it their business to impart knowledge. But what kind of knowledge? Not the knowledge of philosophy, or of human laws, or of mechanical arts, but of divinity. If God hath made it the business of some to be teachers, it will follow that he hath made it the business of others to be learners. For teachers and learners are correlates, one of which was never intended to be without the other. God hath never made it the duty of some to take pains to teach those who are not obliged to take pains to learn. He hath not commanded ministers to spend themselves in order to impart knowledge to those who are not obliged to apply themselves to receive it. The name by which Christians are commonly called in the New Testament is disciples, the signification of which word is scholars or learners. All Christians are put into the school of Christ, where their business is to learn, or receive knowledge from Christ, their common master and teacher, and from those inferior teachers appointed by him to instruct in his name.
9. God hath in the Scriptures plainly revealed it to be his will, that all Christians should diligently endeavor to excel in the knowledge of divine things. It is the revealed will of God, that Christians should not only have some knowledge of things of this nature, but that they should be enriched with all knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1, 4, and 5. I thank my God always on your behalf, for the grace of God that is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him, in all utterance, and in all knowledge. So the apostle earnestly prayed, that the Christian Philippians might abound more and more, not only in love, but in Christian knowledge. Philippians 1, nine, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge, and in all judgment. So the Apostle Peter advises to give all diligence to add to faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. Second Peter 1.5 And the Apostle Paul in the next chapter to that wherein is the text, counsels the Christian Hebrews, leaving the first principles of the doctrine of Christ, to go on to perfection. He would by no means have them always to rest only in those fundamental doctrines of repentance and faith, and the resurrection from the dead, and the eternal judgment, in which they were instructed when baptized, at their first initiation in Christianity. See Hebrew 6, etc. Section 5. An Exhortation That All May Diligently Endeavor to Gain Christian Knowledge Consider yourselves as scholars or disciples, put into the school of Christ, and therefore be diligent to make proficiency in Christian knowledge. Content not yourselves with this, that you have been taught your catechism in your childhood, and that you know as much of the principles of religion as is necessary to salvation. Else you will be guilty of what the Apostle warns against, viz. going no further than laying the foundation of repentance from dead works, etc. You are all called to be Christians, and this is your profession. Endeavor, therefore, to acquire knowledge in things which pertain to your profession. Let not your teachers have cause to complain, that while they spend and are spent to impart knowledge to you, you take little pains to learn. It is a great encouragement to an instructor to have such to teach, as make a business of learning, bending their minds to it. This makes teaching a pleasure, when otherwise it will be a very heavy and burdensome task. You all have by you a large treasure of divine knowledge, in that you have the Bible in your hands. Therefore be not contented in possessing but little of this treasure. God hath spoken much to you in the Scriptures labor to understand as much of what he saith as you can. God hath made you all reasonable creatures, therefore let not the noble faculty of reason or understanding lie neglected. Content not yourselves with having so much knowledge as is thrown in your way, and receive some sense unavoidably by the frequent inculcation of divine truth in the preaching of the word, of which you are obliged to be hearers, or accidentally gaining conversation. But let it be very much your business to search for it, and that with the same diligence and labor with which men are wont to dig in mines of silver and gold. Especially I would advise those who are young to employ themselves in this way. Men are never too old to learn, but the time of youth is especially the time for learning. It is peculiarly proper for gaining and storing up knowledge. Further, to stir up all, both old and young, to this duty, let me entreat you to consider. 1. If you apply yourselves diligently to this work, you will not want employment, when you are at leisure from your common secular business. In this way you may find something in which you may profitably employ yourselves. 
you will find something else to do besides going about from house to house, spending one hour after another in unprofitable conversation, or at best, to no other purpose but to amuse yourselves, to fill up and wear away your time. And it is to be feared that very much of the time spent in evening visits is spent to a much worse purpose than that which I have now mentioned. Solomon tells us, Proverbs 10.19, that in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. And is not this verified in those who find little else to do but to go to one another's houses and spend the time in such talk as comes next, or such as any one's present disposition happens to suggest? Some diversion is doubtless lawful, but for Christians to spend so much of their time this way, so many long evenings, in no other conversation than that which tends to divert and amuse, if nothing worse, is a sinful way of spending time, and tends to poverty of soul at least, if not to outward poverty. Proverbs 14.23 In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Besides, when persons for so much of their time have nothing else to do but to sit and talk and chat, there is great danger of falling into foolish and sinful conversation, venting their corrupt dispositions, in talking against others, expressing their jealousies and evil surmises concerning their neighbors, not considering what Christ hath said, Matthew 12:36, of every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give accounts in the day of judgment. If you would comply with what you have heard from this doctrine, you would find something else to employ your time besides contention, or talking about those public affairs which tend to contention. Young people might find something else to do, besides spending their time in vain company, something that would be much more profitable to themselves, as it would really turn to some good account, something in doing which they would be both more out of the way of temptation, and be more in the way of duty, and of a divine blessing." and even aged people would have something to employ themselves in after they are become incapable of bodily labor. Their time, as is now often the case, would not lie heavy upon their hands, as they would with both profit and pleasure be engaged in searching the scriptures, and in comparing and meditating upon the various truths which they should find there. 2. This would be a noble way of spending your time. The Holy Spirit gives the Bereans this epithet, because they diligently employed themselves in this business. Acts 17.11 These were more noble than those of Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Similar to this is very much the employment of heaven. The inhabitants of that world spend much of their time in searching into the great things of divinity, and endeavoring to acquire knowledge in them, as we are told of the angels. 1 Peter 1.12, which things the angels desire to look into. This will be very agreeable to what you hope will be your business to all eternity, as you doubtless hope to join the same employment with the angels of light. Solomon says, Proverbs 25.2, It is the honor of kings to search out a matter, and certainly above all others to search out divine matters. Now if this be the honor even of kings, is it not much more your honor? 3. This is a pleasant way of improving time. Knowledge is pleasant and delightful to intelligent creatures, and above all, the knowledge of divine things, for in them are the most excellent truths, and the most beautiful and amiable objects held forth to view. 
However tedious the labor necessarily attending this business may be, yet the knowledge once obtained will richly requite the pains taken to obtain it. When wisdom entereth the heart, knowledge is pleasant to the soul. Proverbs 2.10 4. This knowledge is exceedingly useful in Christian practice. Such as have much knowledge in divinity have great means and advantages for spiritual and saving knowledge. For no means of grace have a saving effect otherwise than by the knowledge they impart. The more you have of a rational knowledge of divine things, the more opportunity will there be when the Spirit shall be breathed into your heart to see the excellency of these things and to taste the sweetness of them. The heathens, who have no rational knowledge of the things of the gospel, have no opportunity to see the excellency of them, and therefore the more rational knowledge of these things you have, the more opportunity and advantage you have to see the divine excellency and glory of them. Again, the more knowledge you have of divine things, the better will you know your duty. Your knowledge will be of great use to direct you as to your duty in particular cases. You will also be the better furnished against the temptations of the devil. For the devil often takes advantage of persons' ignorance to ply them with temptations which otherwise would have no hold on them. By having much knowledge, you will be under greater advantages to conduct yourselves with prudence and discretion in your Christian course, and so to live much more to the honor of God and religion. Many who mean well, and are full of good spirit, yet for want of prudence, conduct themselves so as to wound religion. Many have a zeal of God, which cleth more hurt than good, because it is not according to knowledge. Romans 10.2 The reason why many good men behave no better in many instances is not so much that they want grace as that they want knowledge. Besides, an increase of knowledge would be a great help to profitable conversation. It would supply you with matter for conversation when you come together or when you visit your neighbors, and so you would have less temptation to spend the time in such conversation as tends to your own and others' hurt. 5. Consider the advantages you are under to grow in the knowledge of divinity. We are under far greater advantages to gain much of this knowledge now than God's people under the Old Testament, both because the canon of Scripture is so much enlarged since that time, and also because evangelical truths are now so much more plainly revealed so that common men are now in some respects under advantages to know more than the greatest prophets were then. Thus that saying of Christ, in a sense applicable to us, Luke 10, 23-24, Blessed are the eyes which see these things which ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. We are in some respects under far greater advantages for gaining knowledge. Now in these latter ages of the church than Christians were formerly, especially by reason of the art of printing, of which God hath given us the benefits, whereby Bibles and other books of divinity are exceedingly multiplied, and persons may now be furnished with helps for the obtaining of Christian knowledge, at a much easier and cheaper rate than formerly could. 6. We know not what opposition we may meet in the religious principles which we hold. We know that there are many adversaries to the gospel and its truths. If, therefore, we embrace those truths, we must expect to be attacked by the said adversaries, and unless we be well informed concerning divine things, how shall we be able to defend ourselves? 
Beside, the Apostle Paul enjoins it upon us, always to be ready to give an answer to every man who asketh us a reason of the hope that is in us. But this we cannot expect to do without considerable knowledge in divine things. Section 6. Directions for the Acquisition of Christian Knowledge 1. Be assiduous in reading the Holy Scriptures. This is the fountain whence all knowledge and divinity must be derived. Therefore let not this treasure lie by you neglected. Every man of common understanding who can read may, if he please, become well acquainted with the Scriptures. And what an excellent attainment would this be! 2. Content not yourselves with only a cursory reading, without regarding the sense. This is an ill way of reading, to which, however, many accustom themselves all their days. When you read, observe what you read, observe how things come in. Take notice of the drift of the discourse, and compare one scripture with another. For the scripture, by the harmony of its different parts, casts great light upon itself. We are expressly directed by Christ to search the scriptures, which evidently intend something more than a mere cursory reading, and use means to find out the meaning of the scripture. When you have it explained in the preaching of the word, take notice of it, and if at any time a scripture that you did not understand be cleared up to your satisfaction, mark it, lay it up, and if possible, remember it. 3. Procure and diligently use other books which may help you to grow in this knowledge. There are many excellent books extant, which might greatly forward you in this knowledge, and afford you a very profitable and pleasant entertainment in your leisure hours. There is doubtless a great defect in many, that through a lothness to be at a little expense, they furnish themselves with no more helps of this nature. They have a few books indeed, which now and then on Sabbath days they read, but they have had them so long, and read them so often, that they are weary of them and it has now become a dull story, a mere task to read them. 4. Improve conversation with others to this end. How much might persons promote each other's knowledge in divine things, if they would improve conversation as they might, if men that are ignorant were not ashamed to show their ignorance, and were willing to learn of others, if those that have knowledge would communicate it without pride and ostentation, and if all were more disposed, to enter on such conversation as would be for their mutual edification and instruction. 5. Seek not to grow in knowledge chiefly for the sake of applause, and to enable you to dispute with others, but seek it for the benefit of your souls, and in order to practice. If applause be your end, you will not be so likely to be led to the knowledge of the truth, but may justly, as often is the case of those who are proud of their knowledge, be led into error to your own perdition. This being your end, if you should obtain much rational knowledge, it would not likely to be of any benefit to you, but would puff you up with pride. 1 Corinthians 8.1 Knowledge puffeth up. 6. Seek to God that he would direct you, and bless you in his pursuit after knowledge. This is the Apostle's direction. James 1.5 if any man lack wisdom, let him ask it of God, who giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not. God is the fountain of all divine knowledge. Proverbs 2.6 The Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Labor to be sensible of your own blindness and ignorance, and your need of the help of God, lest you be led into error instead of true knowledge. 1 Corinthians 3.18 If any man would be wise, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. 7. 
practice according to what knowledge you have. This will be the way to know more. The psalmist warmly recommends this way of seeking knowledge in divine truth from his own experience. Psalms 119, 100 I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. Christ also recommends the same. John 7, 17 If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, or whether I speak of myself. End of section 30 Recording by Katie Riley February 2009